Good morning. Let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. One of our good old hymns. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God. Oh, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Promises I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God. Oh, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. on the promises of God. And then let's continue in singing a good old hymn, the old rugged cross. Actually, this is Pastor Taylor's favorite hymn, or is it your mother's favorite hymn? Your mom's favorite hymn, I think it was. Yeah. I remember you said it to me yeah, a long time ago, right? Let's sing together the old rugged cross. On a hill far away Stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the tears stand best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll change. 
Lead people into your word, lead people in prayer. Help us to be led by the Holy Spirit, that it might be your service that would honor you and give glory to you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. Please be seated.
house the other day in the yard the kids were at play and on the sidewalk of this home a little boy watched his smiling face was sweet and kind but I could see that the boy was blind he listened to the children play I bowed my head and there I prayed Dear Lord above, why must this be? And then these words came down to me. After all, you're just a man, and it's not for you to understand. It's not for you to reason why, for you too are blind without my eyes. So question not what I command, because it's not for you to understand. Now when I pray, my prayer is one. I pray His will, not mine be done. After all, I'm just a man, and it's not for me to understand. you to take your Bibles with me this morning and turn, if you would, to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Title of my message this morning is Before and After. And uh, all of us can understand things that are before and after. We've seen pictures of before and after, haven't we? Um, I have for you a couple pictures this morning that are before and after pictures. Let me see if we can't pull those before and after pictures up. There's me uh, probably about 10 years ago, and now here's me more recently. That's a little more before and after. 
I had, uh, I had really, my weight had really climbed up very high and I dropped about 50 or so pounds before and after. We're used to those pictures, aren't we? We see them in magazines. They tell you if you'll go ahead and eat crawdads for the next five years, you'll lose 35 pounds. Who knows what it is that's the newest fangled thing that makes you think that you'll make it. Uh, I, over the last year, I had bought a project house and in the evenings I'd go and work on a project house. I'll show you a little before and after picture of the bathroom. Well, that's just the sink. You've got to do them in sequence. We had to do them that way. We what? We had to do them that way. So, there, there's, so how many pictures of the before? Four pictures of the before? Yeah, pretty nasty. It was a pretty nasty bathroom in this project house. And that's the after. That's all gutted out and rebuilt. Before and after. We can all grasp the picture, can't we? We understand that... You usually try to find the worst picture for the before picture. I told Sandra Joe, go back through the pictures, find the worst picture of me when I was the very heaviest, and let's, let's embarrass me. And then we'll find a decent picture of now and uh, before and after. The bathroom pictures I didn't see until just now. Sandra Joe shows some pretty gross pictures. Uh, that was the before, and this is the after. In this text that we're going to go to, as we come to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 down through 7, we're going to look at before and after. And what this text talks to us about is before we came to know Christ and after we came to know Christ. It draws a picture for us of what our lives were before Christ in the eyes of God and what He is expecting of us after Christ, before and after. Let me read to you the text, and then we're going to go down through it, and we'll see what he's talking about. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Uh, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. And hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, I pray that you would be with us this morning as we look into your scriptures. I ask that you would speak to each of our hearts. Help us to see ourselves in these verses. Help us to see the before and after if we have received you and our, your children. And for those who may be here this morning who have not yet chosen that life-changing, that eternity-changing step of receiving Christ as their Savior, Lord, I pray that they would look at this opportunity in the Scriptures and understand that there can be an after which is transformational. 
We thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. In this text, verses 1 down through 3, the Lord sets out to help us to understand what we look like before we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. The Apostle is writing to the church in Ephesus, and still today, you can get in a jet, you can fly over to Turkey, you can land and, and drive down uh, to the old city of Ephesus. It's truly amazing. Uh, it's the only place that I'd ever been on a tour when you're walking up to the city. They have ancient Roman plumbing, and I mean this as sincere as the day is long. There's piping that the Romans laid for water and sewer. Because when I walked up, I thought, wow, what, what's these clay pipes? And I asked the guide, he said, oh yeah, this is, this is what the Roman Empire built in Ephesus for people to have modern sewerage. I didn't even know they had modern, modern sewerage back then. But it is incredible to go and look at the old ruins of uh, whether it be places of worship or city buildings. You can go there. They still have the ruins of a private school that was huge for the elite of the city of Ephesus. He's writing to these people. These people within that city who had come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And he's talking to them about the transformation that had taken place in their lives. And you and I living in this time, in this day and age, he wants, that's why God gave it to us, for us to step back and look and understand what we came from and what we should be, the before and after. He starts off in verse 1 and he simply says to us, You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And spiritually, if we don't have Jesus Christ as our Savior, if we have not yet come to that place where we have been born again, transformed, brought to newness of life, then he says we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And what that simply means is we are without Christ. We are without spiritual life. We are searching, seeking, looking, but we're not there. We are dead in our trespasses, our sins, if we don't have Christ. He comes down a little bit farther in verse 2. He says, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. So he's telling us that there's a contrast. Before we came to Christ, we walked according to the ways of this world. We were not conscious of walking according to the ways of God because we didn't know God. So we're walking according to the directives of all that we are influenced by in this world that we live in. And he kind of expands on that as he comes down into verse 2. He says, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to what? The prince of the power of the air. He's talking about Satan. He's saying it is Satan who influences our walk when we are walking according to the course of this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, they say, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. 
He reminds us that the God of this world, not the eternal God, not the heavenly God, not the creator God, but the God that this world embraces is a God who blinds people spiritually. That's why they're dead in their trespasses and sins. That's why he influences their walk away from the walk with God and towards the walk that he desires. Yes, Satan and his minions are a real part of the world that we live in. They're a real part of what transpi transpires around the world. And certainly, we saw even this week, we saw the hand of Satan at work in devastating, horrific ways. Yes, he is the God of this world. You and I, we look and we reach out to the eternal heavenly God because we know that the God of this world only desires to, de to destroy us. But he comes down, he says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And I think that is so descriptive of the time, the day, the age that we live in today. A time when people are chasing after, as small children would, disobedience. We see grown-ups who take pride in the foolishness of their misbehavior. They flaunt it. They, they go ahead and uh, try to get others to follow it. And he said, that's what we were like before Christ. That's what the people in Ephesus were like before Christ. You see, they were no different than we are today. Sometimes we think ancient people somehow were so totally different than us. And they were not. They were just as influenced by their neighbors, by their culture, by their social media. Not computers, but word to mouth. Parchments written, mosaics drawn. Just here, just a little while ago, uh, they, they cleaned off a, a place of destruction and they found underneath all the debris a mosaic, a huge, huge, beautiful mosaic. And in it, it had all kinds of drawings. People then had things that influenced them. It's an interesting thing in the United States. One of the greatest things that made people want to go to church in the 17 and 1800s was the stained glass. The stained glass was their cutting edge media. People would go and they would walk and they would look at each one. They didn't have television. They didn't have computers. They didn't have even the radio. Lots of them didn't have any books, but they could go to a church and they could follow a story in the set stained glass windows. Here he tells us, he says at that time in Ephesus, at that time in people's lives, he said before they came to Christ, they were dead in their trespasses and sins. Their walk was according to the walk of that world at that time, which was not a righteous walk. It was a walk influenced by the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself, who deceives and blinds. He said they walked as children of disobedience in disregard for the true and living God. 
When he comes down to verse 3, he gives to us a holy, a, an unholy trinity that reflects the wickedness of their hearts. Listen to what he says in verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. He says, before you came to Christ, before you found the Lord Jesus Christ, before you accepted him and were born again and changed and transformed, he said, what you did was you lived a life that tried to satisfy the lusts of your flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And by nature, you were the children of wrath. And absolutely, if you take that verse and you step back and you look at your life and you look at the world we live in today, you can see how that Satan is just continuing to push forth the same old thing, isn't he? It's kind of like back in the day when people used to drive cars that had retread tires. How many of you remember retread tires? I remember as a, ki a kid, my dad go going and getting retreads for his pickup truck. And they were great until they came undone. That was a bad thing when that retread came off and you were back down to that bald tire that had all been engraved and glued together. Satan just retreads and retreads and retreads the same old destructive thing in people's lives. Whether it was 2,000 years ago in the city of Ephesus or now in the year 2023. He is hoping that people will do nothing but try to satisfy the desires of their flesh. And we see that in our society, in our culture. We see that in our, our schools. We see that in our entertainment. We see that on our jobs, where people just push and push, satisfy yourself, take care of yourself, yourself. You are the most important person. That's not biblical at all. And he comes down and he says the second part of that unholy trinity that Satan pushes forth is fulfilling the desires of our own mind. Where people just want to continually just satisfy and entertain their own mind all the time. When my kids were little, they came out with Walkmen. I know that's ancient history now. But the kids would sit in the back seat and they would put those Walkmen on when we took long trips. I told them, I said, guys, you can't leave those things in all the time because mom and dad want to talk with you. We want to communicate. I want you to engage with us. So I would give them time limits. I'd say, okay, you can, you can listen to that Walkman for like 30 minutes and then for three hours, we're going to visit and chat while we drive. Oh, it's horrible. I was a very abusive father. If my kids had lived in the day and age with all these devices, oh, my poor kids, they'd have been horrifically out of step with the culture and society because I'd have told them, no, no, you're going to get very little of that and you're going to get a lot of mom and dad. Because my goal was not to see them entertain their mind with all this other stuff. My goal was to connect as a family, to be a part 
of the world we lived in. When we took trips, I'd say, put those things down and look at the scenery out there. They didn't want to look at scenery. I was old, they were kids, but I wanted them to see and to remember. It was important. But Satan desires to do nothing but push people to satisfy their own carnal lust and to entertain their own mind. He doesn't want us to be thinkers. He doesn't want us to be people who contemplate and to consider and to observe. Because what would happen if all of a sudden you woke up and looked at what's really going on in the world around you? If he can keep you masked with entertainment, then he has you. No different then than today. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh. Desiring to fulfill the desires of the mind. And then he, the third thing he says in verse 3 is they are the children who are the children of wrath. Wow. If you watch the news at all today, even in our cities, even in Vermont, I am shocked at the, the wrath, the rage, the anger, the violence. Reminds me of the time of Noah before the great flood when there was violence all through the land. You and I, when we read this text, we're stepping back to the time of Ephesus. But wow, we're finding ourselves in the year 2023. He's talking to us about the before and after. And we ask ourselves, well, is that me? Am I that person who only cares about taking care of myself, the lusts of my flesh, my hungers, my thirsts? Am I that person who's only focused on entertaining myself, distracting my mind from family, community, from reality? Am I that person who is of the generation of wrath, angry, bitter, resentful, striking out? God says that is the before, but there can be an after. He says there can be another life. There can be a second picture. There can be a renewal. Christ called it being born again. A transformational act that brings us to a place where we change. And that's where the text picks up in verse 4 down through 6. Listen to what he says to us in verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. He's talking to you and I about salvation. He's saying that there is that time in our lives when we look and our eyes open and we dismiss the entertainment of the mind and we reject the satisfaction of all the, the lusts of the flesh and we tune in to God speaking to us and we see ourselves as he sees us. And we see that we are a sinner. Yes, dead in our trespasses and sins. 
And only Jesus can give us the way to, to the, the hope, the transformation from the old to the new. And we, by faith, reach out to him and say, yes, Lord, I am a sinner. And I ask you to come into my heart, into my life. Forgive me. Forgive me of those sins. That I might be your child. That I might be born into your family. That I might be at that place where I have the after picture of being a child of God. And as we come down in verses 4 down, we see this transformation occur. Listen to verse 5 again. He says, even, we, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he hath quickened us together with Christ. The word quicken means to be made alive. It brings us up, out of death. He makes us alive in Christ. These are powerful words that he uses. He wants us to understand that there's a point of transformation. You and I, every single one of us in this room, we have an opportunity. I bought that, that house that needed to be redone. And I walked in that house, oh my goodness, was destroyed and filthy from the front to the back. And over the years, I've done a few houses, and I, I asked myself, oh, man, alive. I'm getting a little old to do this at night. But as I walked through, I thought, but, you know, it, it is an opportunity. It's going to take a lot of work, but I'm going to do it. I had to make a decision. I had to make an, a decision to invest Time, money, energy. But that's the only way that transformation was going to happen with me involved. And each of us spiritually, we walk into certain circumstances in our lives and we, we come to a place of decision. And God says concerning those people in Ephesus and you and I today, that we come to a place of decision. Where we look at all that Satan has given us, which is nothing but being dead in our trespasses and sins. And we look all that God is offering us in newness of life, quickening us, giving us new birth spiritually. And he offers us a change. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That is the old and the new picture. That is the, the before and the after. All of a sudden, we are no longer walking in the flesh. But we are walking in the Spirit because we've received Christ into our hearts and into our lives. It's a different picture. When you come down, look with me at verses 5 and 6 again in Ephesians 2. He says, even we who were dead in sins hath quickened us. He hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, ye are saved. And hath raised us up together. 
and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is a really mysterious text because I want you to notice that he's talking about heaven in the present tense. Listen again to verse 6. He hath raised us up together. He's writing to people who are alive, not dead. He says, listen, God has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's talking to them as if they're already there. He wants them to grab a hold of the understanding that when we receive Christ and we are transformed, born again, as Christ calls it, when we pass from the old to the new, when we go from dead to alive spiritually, he says, we are as if we are already there. It's, it's as real as being there with Christ Jesus right now. In each of us in our spiritual walk, we have to step back and look at this text. And we have to ask ourselves, can I see that transformation in my life? Was there a time and is the evidence there in my life? Was there a time when I understood my sinfulness, understood that I was walking in the lust of the flesh, merely entertaining my mind? Yes, living even that life of the children of disobedience and wrath. Was there that? And then I came to Christ and I have changed. Old things passed away. Things became new. Do I see the evidence of that in my life? The before and the after picture. God wants you and I to understand he has a purpose in this contrast. Look at verse 4. But God who is rich in mercy. For his great love wherewith he loved us. He wants us to understand the power that drives this transformation is God's mercy and love for you and I. That's what it's all about. He wants us to understand he went to the cross. Why? Because of his mercy and his love for us. He wants to see our eternity secure in heaven, even as if it is right now. Why? Because he is a merciful, loving God. He does not want to see you and I beat up by the God of this world. He does not want to see us to spend our whole lives just trying to satisfy ourselves and our mind. Only to be unsatisfied. He wants to give us that hope, that eternal hope, that peace in Christ, that after picture of us understanding, I have a heavenly home. Yesterday I did Art Grant's funeral and he had lived to be just shy of 92 years old. But a number of years ago, Art and I had sat down, him and his wife, Helen, and we'd gone through the scriptures. They're both passed away now, but I remember going through and them bowing their head and calling upon Christ to come into their hearts and lives. 
And do you know, even at the hospital, even in the intensive care unit, just days before he died, he looked at me and said, Pastor, I'm coming back to church. I'm going to be there. He so loved to come and sit in the back. His, his kids would bring him when he could barely walk. He'd sit back there and just love to hear the singing, to worship. Now, 35 years ago, that wasn't the case. But God changed his heart. You and I in our lives, the book of Ephesians, under the inspiration of God, is bringing us to, to a moment. And he's saying, do you see the before and after in your life? Because you should. Because the mercy and love of God calls us to salvation. It's interesting when you look at verse 7. He says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. God says, listen, I left heaven above and took upon myself the form of a man. Born as a virgin, raised, ministered, and died on the cross. Just because God is kind. Because he knew. You and I are beat up. This world will beat you up. And God loves us. In his mercy, in his kindness, he went to the cross for us. And I love that in the first part of that verse, he says... In the ages to come, he's going to show this. So the ages to come is not a day or a week or a month or a year. It's not a decade. It's not a century. It's not a millennia. It's ages. 10,000 years. 100,000 years. A million years. In the ages to come, God's going to say, you, you, you received Jesus all the way back in 2023, or in 1910, or 1814, or the year 1000, or the year one. You, you are with me in heaven. And I celebrate. God says he, he rejoices. He celebrates. In the kindness and mercy that he showed that soul and that soul and that soul. And you and me. And our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. God's mercy shown. His kindness shown. So I ask you this morning. Do you have a before and after picture? I asked Sandra Joe to simply look, pull a before and pull an after picture. I told her one of me being fatter and thinner, because I'm certainly not skinny. So I don't have that after picture where you're just. 
But I do have a before and after picture. More important than that, a before I knew Christ and after. That transformational power of Jesus. Do you? Father in heaven, we thank you so much that we can look into your holy word. And Lord, there we can see things that are just as relevant in the time of Ephesus as it is today. And I pray that you'd help every one of us as a Christian to be committed to living a life that's walking in the spirit. And again, Lord, as we're dismissed, I pray that you would stir the hearts of anybody here that's not yet received you. That before they leave, they might talk to me. Give me the privilege, the opportunity to show them how to call upon you. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. John's going to dismiss us with a chorus. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. Who yielded his life and atonement for sin. And opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him the glory, great things He hath done. Amen. We're dismissed this morning.